This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got the privilege to interview Elizabeth Connolly. Elizabeth, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you. You uh, you know you had to come all the way from Brentwood. I always joke with the people in Missouri that have to come over to Illinois. It's like we had to go through uh, go through the border, you know, to get your passport out and everything. So very easy, very <laughs> easy drive. Well, you are a partner and senior wealth management advisor here at Visionary Wealth Advisors. You are a top 100 person to know in St. Louis. That's a big deal. And uh, you are a Forbes list of America's top uh, top advisors. So congratulations on all those things. It's amazing. Uh, you've been with us for almost a year now, I guess about seven, eight months. And, uh, but it's just been really, really neat to get to watch your career and learn from your career. So I was excited to have you today, but you don't just wake up and become that person in St. Louis or this advisor. So could you tell us a little bit of the backstory? What's made Elizabeth Conley the woman you are today? Oh, yes. Thank you. So I grew up in a family of eight children. Oh, wow. So academics was very important to my parents. Um, they actually are from a little town in Illinois, Sullivan, Illinois. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, their parents raised them to be educated because way, my dad's 89 now. My mom passed away about 18 months ago. And education was just very important in the family. Yeah. Because when you look at a farming community and what my grandparents and my great-grandparents went through, they did not have the privilege of going on to further education. So when I was growing up, I had no idea that you had a choice about going to college. I only knew that you had a choice about what what school you went to after college. Okay. So that's the environment that I grew up in. And did all eight do that? I mean, all eight kids went to college? Yes. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yes. And all eight of them have another degree beyond college. And literally, it's because that's we didn't know any different, right? We just didn't know different. When we were younger, so I call myself the middle child because there was always the three older kids and the four little girls. (laughs) And I was right in the middle. I was never old enough to be with the three older kids, and I was too old to be with the four little girls. So as the middle child, (sighs) if you would, I hung out mostly with, um, I have two brothers that are right above me. So my oldest is a sister, then two brothers, myself, and four little girls, if you would. My brother Dave, when we were little, we always played together. 
He had a stethoscope and a black bag from my uncle, who was an orthopedic surgeon in Decatur, <clears throat> Illinois. Oh, wow, yeah. And Dave used to carry those around. My dad had an old briefcase, and I used to carry his old briefcase around. We would sit at a table like this, and my brother had a little pad of paper, and he'd have this stethoscope around his, you know, nine-year-old neck, and he would practice writing prescription pads so you couldn't read his handwriting because that's what he knew. I would argue with him because I was going to be a lawyer and I was going to be a litigation lawyer. So we did that. That's what I did when I was younger. On my path, if you would, to school, I ended up, when I was a senior in high school, I won a scholarship from Monsanto where my dad worked to be a foreign exchange student in Belgium. And I was 17 years old. My dad was away on a business trip. My mom was cooking muscacholi in a big pot. She always was dressed, had a little apron on, had her lipstick on. She was at the stove and I was sitting under the phone that was on the wall and it rang and I answered it. And I remember my mother freezing because she heard my answers when I said, thank you for the scholarship. She froze. And I always wonder, well, why did she freeze? Well, this is their 17-year-old daughter who's going to yeah. go off by herself. Getting ready to go to other part of the country. Yes. So my path was quite different than my brothers and sisters. Um, I went my senior year of high school. I picked a college that happened to be close to my brother that I had done things with my whole life. So I went to Rockhurst University. They accepted me before in my senior year of high school. I never visited there. I didn't know anything about it. But I will always credit the Jesuit education um, with how you think about the world and how you approach the world. When I came home from that and I started college, I had a wonderful person who you meet with and they help you with your curriculum, et cetera, your advisor. I remember telling, her name was Ursula Fall, and I remember telling her that I had wanted to be a lawyer, but I tried everything else. I tried computer science. I tried mathematics. I tried, I loved philosophy. I loved English. I tried all those things. When I got to my third year of college, she said to me, do you know you could graduate this year? And you could have a double major in English and philosophy. I said, well, no, I didn't. She said, well, here's what you're going to take and you're going to graduate. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I didn't know what to do. And at that time, businesses came on campus and interviewed you. Yep. So I interviewed at all those. I took a job when I was a junior. Well, my last year, which was your, my third year of college, I took a job in the management training program of what was then Famous Bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. So as I got closer to graduating, she said, Ursula Falls said to me, you're going to take the LSAT. And I said, okay. Uh, So I took the LSAT. My scores came back. They were okay. And she said, you're going to apply to law school. (laughs) I applied to one law school. I got in and I said to her, what am I going to do? She said, you're going to go to law school. 
And I said, but I already accepted a job. She said, you're going to tell them that you're not going to take that job. Oh, wow. And there started my career. So it's fascinating <clears throat> when you look back or I look at my children's lives, the iterations that you go through as you explore what you may or may not want to do. I loved business. I loved mathematics. I loved designing the big picture, if you would. Yeah. I went to law school. When I was in law school, I had the good fortune of working in a firm for quite a while through um, graduation, et cetera. And I was allowed to try a case with one of the partners there under what's called Rule 13. You're, you're not licensed, but you're with a licensed person okay, yep. before I had graduated. And it was a wrongful death case of a teenager. And I knew then, I, I was 21 years old, I knew then that the life of a litigator, which is up and down and up Very and emotional. down, yeah. in my mind, I wanted to have a family also. I, I wanted to um, be married someday, et cetera. And so I thought, I better do something different in my young 21-year-old yeah. mind. So I went and I interviewed at what was Center Bank, which is now Bank of America, yeah. after a number of iterations. Yeah. And there I started my career. The day that I interviewed, I was hired. I was so lucky, but did not know it then, because I walked into an environment where someone was retiring. So there was a desk that had both institutional and personal money on that desk. I then grew up in a world where I did both. And so I was trained in both institutional money and personal money, which is very unusual, yeah. as you know, yeah. in our business. They're very different. I, my clients were the people who started Anheuser-Busch, Ralston Purina, Southwestern Bell. Those were my clients. And so I helped them both with their company dollars, and they didn't have much personal dollars yeah. in the beginning, but then as they did, then you craft a plan for their personal wealth as well. Yeah. Which that's where that designer thing comes back in, right? You talked about yes. you like the big picture, and those are the things that you get passionate about and the things that you do today. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I love I love what I do. Yeah. When I look backward, I feel incredibly fortunate for the experiences that I had. I was there for quite quite a while. I was recruited to Commerce Bank, so I ended up in the banking field. The longest part of my career, I was 12 years there, and I ran the personal trust division. So I had a lot of experience on both sides, yep. as well as with people. And I, I love people, and our business... We are so fortunate because everybody who we run across is different, right? Yeah, yeah, Everyone's yeah. different. They have different dreams, goals, concerns. It's all different. And we are trusted with that. That's right. As you know, we often know more about a family than other family members may know. Yep. And just over the course of my career, I have developed relationships that span over 30 years. And I just, looking backward, I just feel incredibly fortunate. Oh, that's great. That's so great. And what a great career and a great, uh, and it's, it's still going. You're still doing a great job and building the business that you're building. And so a couple of things come up for me in that story. So it's funny. I, when I was a 
child. So I'm an only child. So you've got, you know, seven siblings. And so we had different houses, right? Mm-hmm. Mine was very quiet. Yours was probably very, uh, very noisy. Yes. Uh, and, and God bless your mom and, and your dad for doing that. Um, and, and so, but it was funny. So I played at my grandpa's house. My grandpa was a banker. My dad was a bank banker. I had an uncle that were bankers. I had some business owners and farmers. And so, but I just, for some reason, knew early on I wanted to be in business. And the game I would play as a kid, we would sit in my grandpa's basement, and he had this little place that we would kind of make a makeshift office. And and Lindsay and Christina and Jennifer, my cousins, they would come in and they were all they would all work for me. And they would come in and the, literally the only thing I would do in this game is kind of sit at this desk and they would come in and hand me a piece of paper and I'd have to sign off on something. And so we joke about that to this day when I see them, which isn't often enough, but. Um, how you, as a child, the things that you start to do, I think if I was looking back, I would give those kids that are doing things now, pay attention to that, right? Because that, that really matters of what maybe you can do. So to think about what you did and your brother and so on, I thought was really cool. So, so if you can, let's talk a little bit about, um, I don't need to make this a male female thing, but I think, you know, having four kids, you know, it's like they need their mom, right? They, they want to be with mom. Mom is important. They always joke that, you know, mom's their favorite. Right. And that's okay. Um, but as a, as a professional woman, if you could give advice to that, that woman right now, driving down the road, listen to this, that's, that's wanting to raise a family, but yet be a professional and build a career that you've built. What advice would you have for her? I would first say to her, you can do it. It is overwhelming to think about being a wife, a mother, and a business person. There are some days where you're beyond exhausted, but I always thought to myself, we're only privileged to do that, right, for a short period of time. In my career, it was a different world. I can remember for years and years being the only female in the room. Hmm. I can remember being at board meetings, I was the only female. Even today, in my role, if you would, there are not that many females. That's right. If it is something that a young woman wants to do, I say do it. You can do it. Fear, I sometimes think that people overthink things, right? And I think that's from fear. We all have that fear. The mind is an incredibly powerful thing. And every time that I feel fear, if you would, because I, we all do, right? We all, especially if we're tired, you feel fear. I would say to that young woman, you push that out of your mind and you continue to tell yourself you can do it. So how do you, how do you do that though? How do you just push it out of your mind? And before we even go there, um, I, you know, I thanked you on a text message, but I wanted to publicly thank you for that, the, the, the St. Christopher uh, rosary you sent me, right? So for those that listen to this, you probably hear me talk about my fear of flying. Eight years, it gives me chills thinking about it, actually. Um, and so I just got back, right? And I had this amazing trip, but you talked about the fear. And I always say the fears we put in our mind never blow up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be. And, and that's the case, but they are real. Like, so there was no logic behind not wanting to get on an airplane. I, I knew the stats. I knew it was a better likelihood I would, you know, get in a wreck driving to the airport than I would flying. But again, there's no logic behind it. And so for me, it was, you sent me this rosary. 
there's a three-step process I had to pray. And for me, that thing was in my front right pocket the whole trip, right? And whether I was hiking on a plane, wherever it was at, it was there. And so I thought a lot about that and how to push that. So was that something you would suggest, whether it's the prayer or whatever it may be? Is that like, How do you just push it through your mind and let go of it? It takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Even today, with different moments, I have to do that. I was very lucky when I was in college, there was a priest who said to me, and I wrote it down on this envelope and kept it next to my bedstand in my dorm room. There is nothing you can't do for just one day. And in my life, I've had to break that down into 15 minute increments sometimes. And, and so, I broke, sorry, to, I broke it down as nothing you can't do for three hours and 10 minutes because that was my first flight. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting because that has been in my mind. And every time there's a, a fearful thought, uh, an ugly thought, you know, the voices in your mind of things yeah. you want to say to people who've bothered you, if you would, I just, I say that. I say that to myself and I push it out. Um, if you are a person who is a person of faith, I have certain prayers, the routine prayers, for example, the Hail Mary, that the length it takes to say a Hail Mary pushes whatever that thought is out of your mind and mm. it redirects it. And so you can do that. You can quietly do that wherever it is yeah. you're sitting. And I, I always felt like, it was my job when I left my home in the morning to put a smile on my face and leave it there, regardless of whatever else was going on in my mm. life. And I have also followed that. And so back to the, to the young women, I say that to them. I say, you keep a mirror on your desk. When you're on the phone, when someone's challenging you, uh, when things are not going your way, look in the mirror for a moment and see what your face looks like. Put a smile back on it. It's amazing about putting a smile on your face, how that redirects you. Well, so, you can feel that energy, right? I mean, you yes. talk about people, you can feel it when somebody walks in a room, you can almost feel their energy. And I think it's John Gordon's book, The Energy Bus. He talks about you can feel it almost radiate. I think it's 10 or 15 feet he talks about that you can feel somebody's presence. Yes. And I think that's, that's part of that. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So what what would you say if I if I was able to follow you with a camera back then, right? Go 10, 20, 30 years ago, whatever you want to do. Like, what are the no-miss items that Elizabeth Connolly that I would see that was in your daily lives, your daily habits back then? And even that probably still go on today. What I would say to you is um, whatever I decided to do, I gave it my all. Whenever I was tired, I told myself, take a breath and keep doing it. I would <clears throat> say that my number one focus in my mind always was my family. So I will be married 38 years oh. on December 21st this year. We have two children and they were hard to come by. Uh, so Anna and Vinny and I... I will say that I made sure that as a female full-time working person mm -hmm. that I knew that somehow I could do it all. I made sure that with my children, 
most women in where I lived did not work a W-2 job, if you would. They were very involved in school and so forth. I made the choices at that time, and I devoted my time with my children where I felt they would see me. So I made my choices to go on a field trip that they would be on, um, to be present in the classroom, that sort of a thing. I actually had moms say they saw more of me than they did of other people, but it was because the things I chose were in front of my children. So I didn't run the wrapping paper. I I didn't do some of the very important things because that was not in front of my children. So I always made sure that that was first and foremost. And I always did my job. I, I, in that day and age, it, it was very different than now. Um, and so a lot of it, I don't think people can really relate to today. You know, when you were going to have a baby, for example, there, there was no leave. There was yeah, no right. paid leave. There was nothing like that. And so your fears were, is someone else, am I going to have a job when I come back? You know, those were your fears. Think about how far that's come in 30 years. Yes. As I went through my career, my biggest goal was that Anna, my daughter, who's now 34, would not have to go through what I did. And I think for the most part, the, the women, the professional women, have accomplished a lot in that regard there's still a long way yeah, to go right, right. there is but it's a lot better than it was in my day and age so the routine things that i did that i do i pay attention to my family i pay attention to my job i don't for me personally i never believed in work-life balance i believe in work-life integration love that so seven days a week I tend to my family and I tend to my clients and I don't discern the times. I don't stop at any given time. And when a client, one of my biggest work behaviors is when a client has a question, that's when they need an answer. And that could be whatever time of day it is. And I've always made that a point. I don't shut my life, either part of my life down. I love that. Okay. So I think what I hear there from your conversation is one of my favorite quotes is the abundance of and versus the tyranny of the or. And so I heard in your remarks where I could be a mom and a wife and a professional woman, right? I could be a mom and, and still go to the field trip and still work and do those things. Right. So when you hear that the abundance of the and versus the tyranny of the or, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And on, I'm not saying it's easy. It's a very difficult thing. And I think women, women give 100% or 150% of themselves to whatever it is they decide to undertake. And so it, it is very hard, but it's very gratifying. And I will say being on the other side of it, uh, having done it for as long as I have, you can do it. I, I don't yeah. know how... How to stress to women, the the world in which we live now, the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, the the world they face is is difficult. It's very, very hard. And I feel like to my children, I say, 
Just believe you can do it. Every action you have, believe you can do it. And I think that that gets you through some of what's going on in our world and gives you some hope, if you would, uh, that it can be done. So always do the and. I love that. I love that. And so you see on the microphones here, you know, the F greater than P, the future greater than your past. And as you know, our, our firm's mission statement is helping people achieve a future greater than their past. And so when you hear that uh, and you being, you know, what is seven, eight, nine months into uh, into visionary, how, how does that connect with you? And what does that mean to you and your role that what you do every day? I loved that about the firm. I, I just love that saying, if you would. Yeah. My belief with my clients always was that I had a responsibility for their tomorrows. Mm. That not just today, right? You have what you have today, but what we're concerned about is tomorrow. And how do we get to tomorrow? And how do we get to tomorrow with all the gyrations that happen and the things that go on in people's lives? So because that's been my belief my whole career, a responsibility for my clients' tomorrows, I felt it fit exactly in line yeah. with what Visionary does. Yeah. Well, that's great too. And you, you're right, because your tomorrows, they, it's our job, I think, to think about their tomorrows, right? Because yes. you're so focused, those people out in, out in the world, you know, running around doing their life, they're, they're busy, right? They're yes. chasing kids, they're working, they're doing whatever in their own business. It's our job to think about that tomorrow. So what, what advice would you have, whether you're in wealth management or you're a, a, an attorney, what, whatever it may be, and again, male, female, doesn't matter, but what advice would you have for them to, I always say kicking down doors, right? You got to go out and make things happen. You got to take action. That's one of the circuits of the circuit of success is action. What, what was that action like for you and, and how did you have the confidence to go out and do that? So I forced myself to take a public speaking class when I was in college. It was the hardest thing I ever did, (laughs) but I knew that you have to do that, right? I would tell any young person, if you haven't done that, do that. Toastmasters is something that's out there. If you're already in the professional world, do that. You have to be able to speak. That's number one. Once you can speak with regard to how do you get a network, how do you get clients, that sort of thing, I joined every group that I could. I was very active in the Bar Association, uh, Mm. very active in groups. So I would try to align myself with other professional women who were in different fields, right? Yep. So that I broadly could get to know people. And women will support women. So... That meant a lot to me, and I still, I believe that to be true today. So whatever groups that someone can align themselves with, that's how you get to know people. That's how you tell your story. Even in your everyday life, I would go to exercise with four other women every morning at 530. So we would go to exercise, and these women were from different, you just roll out of your bed, brush your teeth, and that's what you look like. (laughs) But we all talked about business. It was fun. I can talk about business in the grocery store line when someone's talking to me because it's a part of my life, right? I, I listen to people. I catch what they say. As far as getting clients in your early career, What I think people fail to realize is it doesn't happen in one year or two years. 
it maybe starts in 10 years. And so you have to know that you're going to get some, but your phone's not going to ring. Yeah, right. right. Absolutely. You are going to be out there doing the work. And even at the 10 year mark, you've built a group of people who know you. It's still not a shoe in that your phone's going yeah. to ring. And I told myself early in my career, we, we had nothing. We had student loan debt. We had no money. We had nothing. I couldn't be the person who took donuts to a meeting or took everybody out to lunch. Yeah, couldn't afford I, it, right? I didn't have the money. And so I told myself that what I would do is I would three things. Confidentiality means everything to me. And I tell anybody that I'm with who ch shares anything with me that they want me to know it, that's where it will stay. Yeah. If they want someone else to know it, they have to tell them yeah. because I won't. I also communicate and I communicate more, I believe, than a lot of people. I answer every single question and I don't wait to answer it. I will even respond to an email and say, I need to think about that and I'll get back with you on Friday. Yeah. I, I answer every That's question. Powerful. The other thing that I do is I stay true to my word. If I tell somebody I'm going to do it, life happens, right? Sometimes yeah. you can't, things change. I tell them, I tell them in the right amount of time and then I make it up. Yeah. I never ever forget where something came from. So if someone way back in my career was the first person who introduced me to someone who today has become a source of clients, if you would, I always give that credit and I never forget that. And I believe that if you are that kind of a person, the right things follow. In my career now, honestly, my phone rings and it, it's reputation, if you would. Yeah. But I worked on that. I, I worked on that for years. And I think that that's what people can set you apart, if you would. Yeah, and, I, and to your point, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, things happen. I've, I've been doing this for now 20, almost 21 years next month. And so it, it things that happen now, I'm like, oh, how the, oh, oh, that's right. That's how that happened. Because it's been 21 years of going out and building relationships. Yes. And I've ran an executive forum for 10 plus years of six or seven you know, guys that we get together, that we all run businesses in different industries, to your point. And that's been a game changer for me to spend time with people and hear a different perspective than just what my perspective is and the people around me. Right. And I think that's important. It's my dad always said, it's who you surround yourself with and the books you read. I, I just thought he didn't like my friends. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's true. Right. And so I tell that to my kids now, it's all about who you surround yourself with. And so for you, when you look about, look like that, who is that mentor for you or who, where was that source of education, if you will, to how to get to the next level and stay at the next level? I would say that, Number one, as a young person, watching my parents, their gentleness with us, but always those seeds that were planted that I didn't know, right, until I was an adult. It may not have liked. That's right. Yeah. I would say it starts there. Then I would absolutely credit when I was in college, uh, my academic advisor, why yeah. she was given to me, I don't know. And also another individual, I was on a work-study program in financial aid, and he was the head of the admissions office. 
To this day, I am in communication with wow. with him, with his wife, and he has referred a number of people to me who have referred a number of people to me and on down the line. Those watching those individuals who were incredibly humble and just true to who they were made a huge difference to me. And I would say that they are the ones who gave me the foundation for how I wanted to behave in my life. Yeah. So when you, when you look about how you behave in your life, I think it's important to think about the future. We talk about future greater than your past, right? Think about the future, be thankful for the past, also learn from the past, but also live in the moment. So you get those three paradigms, right? You got the future, you got the past, you got the present. What have you done personally and professionally to try to live in all three of those, if you will, if, if that makes any sense? It does make sense. And what I would say is I reflect periodically on the past because we all learn from the past. Everyone has a story to tell yeah. and life is not an easy thing. I take I, the learning from that. I don't ever want to hold on to any fear or bitterness or, or whatever it was on that scenario. So that's the past. The now I really focus on enjoying the moment, enjoying what's here right now, enjoying my family, enjoying my clients. But you have to intentionally do that yeah, because that your mind wanders, right? You have to tell yourself to settle down and, and enjoy just sitting and being with people. That's hard because we're driven, yep. right? We're yep. on to the next thing. So I work hard at settling down into the moment. The future... I, I'm a big planner. I'm the big picture person. I do that for everybody in my life, right? Yeah, Every right. one of my clients, yeah. et cetera. So I can't help but be that person, the big picture person. Yeah. But I devote, I devote time to that. But then I tell myself, okay, it's in order. Yeah. I dock it. My you should see my calendar. <laughs> I live off my calendar, right? Yeah. And I dock it, it and I give myself time to think about different things so that it relieves my mind to be present in the moment. Yep. So I'll actually dock at my calendar for whatever that big picture thing is that I'm going to think about that on Saturday at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So you book it. Yes, I do. Yeah, And so that's the yeah. people again, probably get tired of hearing me say this, but I talk about strategic think time all the time. So for years, I mean, you can see these black journals over here. You can see the black journal here. It's been the same one since July of 2005. And for me, that that time to just sit and think is is yeah. crucial. It, it's probably some of the most important time. And and people say, I you know understand. I'm busy. I think personally that you talked about Saturday at two o'clock. Whenever you put on your calendar, that's some of the most important time of the week, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. So agree. what um what what would you tell the the forty year old Elizabeth? What what advice would you give her looking back uh, now? Take the chance. What I mean by that is, in when I was in my 40s, so you're, you're into your career a bit, you have your family and you're raising your family. And again, I, I'm not focused on fear, but, but it's very real yeah, to people, right? Absolutely. And people don't talk about it. They hide that. They hide. Yep. And what I would say to myself is that, looking backward, 
if you believe it will work out somehow or some pattern of it will work out. And so lean into it, do it. That's what I yeah. tell my 40 year old yeah. self. Yeah, that, that's that's great advice is to lean in, just do it, take the risk, feel the fear, do it anyway. What do they say? Fear is false evidence is appearing real, right? So it's mostly false, right? But it appears real, but you do, you have to jump through it. And I, I call it the comfort zone callus, right? To get this circle, the more we go in, up against our comfort zone, we start to build a callus and we just won't bust through it. So you got to learn to go a different route to then get around the callus and go make it happen. Then your comfort zone starts to expand, Right. And now the yes. things that 20 years ago scared the daylights out of me. Now it's like, well, that's easy. Right. And now the fear of flying. Well, I, I can't wait for my next trip. Right. And to go. But you got to get through the comfort zone, which isn't always easy. So you got to take that first step. So what what would you say your dreams are now? Right. You, you've you've had a successful career. You're here. You're still successful. Um, what are the dreams now? My biggest dream is really for my family, right? We all just want our children to be happy and healthy and whatever yeah. they're exploring in their work life. That becomes your dream, right? Yeah. It becomes your dream. You live that. So my husband and I feel very much that way about the kids. That's number one. For myself, I get asked all the time when I'm going to retire, like people are afraid I'm going to retire. <laughs> I'm never going to retire. Yeah. I love to use my brain. And I I feel so fortunate that in our job, it's, it is a brain job, right? Yeah. It's not a physical job yeah. uh, that could be prohibitive, if you would. So I, when I look at our future, I am hoping that the kids are situated and good, that Pat and I do get a little bit more time to do things, right? Yeah. Time to, to be together. Um, yet I would still, just like I do now, I, I just do my, he drives me around everywhere <laughs> so that I can do, I can work. I right. mean, like my, my family's used to that. And so I'm always getting driven around. And uh, I just, I want to, ha the people in my life is what I, where I want to focus, yeah. if you would. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So uh, last couple things, uh, any books you'd recommend that people read? I know we talked briefly about reading. Do you have one that sticks out? If not, it's not a big deal. But uh, if you have any books that stick out. The, the only one that sticks out in my mind is there is a, a lean in book. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Sandberg, is it yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And I think women in particular should read that book. Yep. Um, I gave it to my daughter when it first came out yeah. and it's just, it's an easy read and, and it's just valuable. Yeah. She had a, an amazing post. Uh, she just announced her retirement from, uh, Facebook and, uh, and so she's stepping away from that, but she had an amazing post for people that are on social media, go look her up and go read her retirement post. It was, it was awesome. I read the whole thing and it was a really cool thing about, being a mom and being a professional, you know, at the same time and all that she's accomplished, you know, and she lost a husband. And, and so, uh, just, it's just an amazing story. So, um, so again, if you, if you could leave, I always call it the, uh, kind of your closing argument, if you will, your closing speech, your halftime talk, whatever you want to call it. What's that one more piece of advice? You know, maybe you've even already said it, but if you, if you just said that's, that's the Elizabeth Connolly battle cry. Like, I know if you do this, you will be successful long-term. Because that's what matters. Decide your convictions, practice them every single day, and believe you can do it. I love that. So practice your convictions, 
believe in them, do them every day. So not like I was, this is a much different thing, but we don't say brush your teeth. You know, if it's two times a day, that doesn't mean do it 14 times on Sunday, right? Correct. It's two times a day and you build that daily habit. So to your point right there is whatever your convictions are, do them every single day and you'll be successful. Fair? Yes. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for being on the Circuit of Success. This has been an absolute blast. I was looking forward to interviewing you. And again, thanks so much. Just your kind note, uh, the kindness of your heart, just to send that that deal to me and give me peace. Because when that door shut on the uh, on the airplane, in my mind... That was going to be the worst moment of my life. And this calmness, literally, it gives me chills again. This calmness came over the airplane and got to fly the bird. And then you realize it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a few little bumps here and there, but that's not a big deal. So thank you again. And thanks for your time today and your wisdom and everything you're going to share with our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.